I think that Daly should be staying home watching soaps or something. I was thinking Woodland was going to melt down at any moment. I was sort of a mess, you know, at, at 40, the same age Tiger is, and uh, hopefully Tiger does better than I did. Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller is presented by Callaway Golf. Welcome to Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller. I am your host, Chris Harrison. Yes, the host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, but today... I'm just a golf fan and a golf fanatic like you and excited to sit across from the Hall of Famer, Johnny Miller, 1973 U.S. Open champ. But today, Johnny, we're talking about the 119th U.S. Open that just wrapped up at Pebble Beach. Our champion with an exclamation point on 18 today, Gary Woodland. Yeah, it's great to be on the show and just uh, work with you again. So um, hope you're doing all right down in old Mexico there. We'll, we'll have a good, a good little podcast here. From Paradise to Pebble Beach, uh, we are connecting. And just to put this in perspective, I want to let people know that we are taping this Sunday night. Uh, We have had just a couple of hours uh, from the time that Gary Woodland has been crowned our U.S. Open champ. So trying to put this in perspective with just a couple of hours to really uh, figure this out. But Gary Woodland, our U.S. Open champ, and Johnny, in my opinion, was a great champion and a great open. It was because uh, it had all the ingredients of being a, a Kepka three-peat. It really did with Kepka burning four out of the first five holes, put all that pressure on Woodland, who was 0 for 7 with the lead on Sunday. And, uh, you know, most guys would have melted, especially a guy that hasn't had any success keeping the lead. But he uh, he, he hung in there tough, and uh, Kepka, Kepka kept playing well. But... Uh, it was very exciting. It really was. I was thinking Woodland was going to melt down at any moment. He had a little bit of trouble on the start of the back nine. But uh, all in all, uh, those guys, the two biggest, strongest guys, were able to manhandle that rough, even though they weren't hitting all the fairways. But it was good golf. It wasn't uh, uh, poor golf. And uh, Woodland sh- shot a 69 for 13 under par, which broke Tiger's 2,000 record of 272. He shot 271. Um, on this 7,075-yard Pebble Beach golf course, par 71. Uh, it's a 100-year anniversary of uh, the starting of Pebble Beach, and um, it was it was just a great, great uh, venue. The USGA, I think, has been in so much trouble uh, by the players' standards on some of the opens and some of the crusty greens and fall-offs and everything else. But this time, they, they went back to the old-style U.S. Open with... Um, uh, pretty strong, rough, uh, narrow fairways, and they kept the greens green. They kept the fairways green. Uh, you know, the greens were smooth. A lot of people thought Poana would be bumpy like it was in the year 2000 when Tiger won, but uh, the course was couldn't have been any better, and it was such a low scoring that a two, uh, two over par made the cut, which is pretty low in the U.S. Open. As is usually the case heading into Sunday, there were so many different stories and the U.S. Open really lends itself to great theater. But, you know, it seemed today there were really only four or five guys that were, th- were, that were in that four to five shot range that really had a shot. Um, you had Gary Woodland, you had Justin Rose in there, of course, Kepka, um, And you had a guy who had never won a major before in Gary Woodland. And it really came down to could Brooks Kepka win his third U.S. Open in a row, something that hadn't been done in a hundred years. A truly remarkable horse race at the end of this. Yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, Kepka 
trying to keep this winning four of the last eight majors, uh, came out of the blocks and he birdies the first hole and he should have bogeyed or double bogeyed the second, made the most amazing par out of the bank in front of the green that you'll ever see and then birdied three, four, and five. And uh, it looked like he was just going to run right past uh, Gary Woodland. And, uh, you know, Gary just hung in there. He was tough. You know, he, he was he was two, over, two under par through five himself. So very good start by Woodland and um, sort of thwarted Kepka's uh, mock charge. We're going to talk a little bit more about Pebble Beach and the USGA and the setup and all that good stuff. Um, but what I loved about Gary Woodland is he kind of went Brooks Kepka on Brooks Kepka. He was methodical. He was a stone-cold killer. And as you said, he had to win the U.S. Open today. He didn't wait. It wasn't one of those Opens where everybody else lost and he just ended up with a trophy. He had to win. And there were two, I mean, look, there was the exclamation point on 18 and that bomb, but he could have three-putted 18 and still won the Open. So that was just icing on the cake. There was two shots that really stood out. On the 14th, par 5, the 263-yard 3-wood, going for it in 2 after Justin Rose lays up. Then there was the chip on the 17th green because uh, he had to cut the corner there. Uh, Those two shots coming down towards the end of a U.S. Open, Johnny, can you put into words how stressful, how clutch those shots were? Well, I mean, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, Gary Woodland said to the press uh, last night, he said, my goal is to extend the lead and win the Open, not just try to hold on to my lead. And uh, like you said, he was pretty amazing on some of the selection that he made. Going for the 14th green is like hitting hitting on top of a pool table from 262 yards. Uh, the advantage that he had is he carried the bunker just barely and hit in the long rough and it killed it, just rolled on the back edge, turned out to be an easy birdie there. Uh, and then, you know, the, like you said, the shot at 17, chipping it on the green, you can chili dip that or, or skull it. You know, the ball's just sitting right on the grass height, and you got to just brush that grass perfectly. And then, of course, the putty made on the last hole, that 30-footer, uh, to get to 13-under to beat Tiger's record at Pebble Beach. Uh, that was oh, That's the way to win a golf tournament. And so uh, I was happy for him. I really thought he was going to melt big time. I did a uh, corporate outing and uh, said that I just didn't think he would hold it together on Saturday or Sunday, you know, because of his record of 0 for 7 with the lead. But, man, he he proved me wrong and proved a lot of people wrong that he would uh, play that well. And his strength was a big issue, just like it is for Kepka, two super strong athletes. Uh, and they they weren't perfect, but they were able to handle that rough. When they got in the rough, they were able to muscle it onto the green. So, uh, and the the putting by uh, Woodland was amazing. He chipped it in twice on Saturday. Uh, he just he was just terrific. He just his time had come. You know, uh, before he just couldn't do it, and I guess now, uh, 35 years old, he's his time has come. Maybe he's going to have a good run. Well, you mentioned these guys are, are two of the biggest hitters in the game, two of the strongest guys, but I think it was the short game uh, exhibited by both of these guys that really sealed the deal and separated them from the rest, and it really was a, a two-man race coming, coming down the stretch. Um, I think maybe lost in this so far, uh, you know, we'll see what picks up tomorrow. Again, we're, we're taping this just hours after the crowning of uh, Gary Woodland as our champ, but Brooks Kepka, who 
has been dominating the majors, comes into this as the heavy, heavy favorite and finishes in second place. He's that close to winning his third U.S. Open and another major championship this year. It's hard to put into terms just how phenomenal this guy is performing in the majors. Yeah, I mean, he just, uh, he's doing the Tiger Woods is what he's doing. Uh, You know, he's only won two tour events, which is incredible. You just don't win four majors, darn near five, and have two tour wins. Normally, you have to win eight or ten tour events to be able to get a, a major victory. I mean, that's pretty much the the ratio that you uh, see on tour historically for, um, you know, a million years. That's the way it is. And he's just sort of bypassed uh, the regular tour events and just said, I think the majors are the easiest ones to win. Most guys uh, don't have the right stuff to win a major. They they just can't even see themselves winning a major. And most of the guys are sort of gagging on the weekend. And like Jack Nicholas said, he told me the same thing. I interviewed him one time. I said, how do you win 18 majors? They're the hardest tournament uh, to win. And he, there's a long pause that Jack says, you know, you're totally wrong. They're the easiest to win because most guys just can't perform for a major championship. So his theory was just keep plugging along, play conservative, and let everybody spin off the wheel, so to speak. And at the end, he's only got to beat a couple of guys, and that's what happened here. But, you know, you look at Gary Woodland. Imagine going 72 holes with long rough and, and tough greens, and he only made three bogeys the whole week. That's impossible. Three bogeys in 72 holes. Uh, that was the least of anybody in the field. Um, and he was aggressive when he needed to be. He hit those stinger irons off the tee when he when he needed he thought he needed to like he did on 18, and um, he played a very smart uh, U.S. Open uh, like he had done it before, but he hadn't. 68, 65, 69, 69. Gary Woodland, your U.S. Open champ. What about the rest? What about Tiger, DJ, Rory, Ricky Fowler, and did the USGA get it right or get it wrong again at Pebble Beach? We're going to talk about that coming up. Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller, presented by Callaway Golf, the maker of Chrome Soft, the ball that changed the ball. Hey, if it's good enough for Phil Mickelson using that triple track technology, how cool is it when you see that that worm cam and, and you see the triple track and you see Phil lining it up and you see him draining putts? I use this ball. It's soft. It's long. Everything you need as a golfer. Chrome Soft, the ball that changed the ball. Welcome back to Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller. Gary Woodland, your U.S. Open champ at Pebble Beach, taking down the 119th U.S. Open. What about the big stories we were talking about Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? They're not the stories we're talking about on Sunday night. That is Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler once again. Uh, Let's start with Tiger, Johnny. Um, I will say this, four over... You know, starting off today, seemed like Sunday was going to be a complete disaster, but he ends up two under, another top 30 finish, very respectable at the U.S. Open, but just never seemed to feel good this week. Well, you know, when he won in 2000, he just eliminated the bogeys. In the last two rounds, you know, he had like, he was both rounds he was well over par, 3-4 over par, and he battled back in this round. He had six birdies, but it's just all those over par holes that he had shooting uh, you know, today 69 for uh, for tie for 21st. Um, 
you know, just that tough stop start got him yesterday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, but he is—he's—he admitted that he's hurt, and he says every shot I can feel it in my bones. I can, you know, it's whether it's in my lower back or mid back or upper back or my neck. He's got tape on his neck. Uh, you know, if I was him and I was, or if I was coaching him, I would definitely eliminate a lot of the heavy practice yesterday afternoon. He's He's beating balls and beat balls, and I, I just think that at his age uh, and with the amount of wear and tear he's had on his body, he needs to cool his jets a little like Ben Hogan did. Uh, just, you know, you know, I just think that he, he <laughs> either that or take more Advil or something, but whatever it is, he's, you, can see, <laughs> you can see him, he's walking sort of, and he's stretching his neck out when he's standing around waiting to hit. Uh, he's... You know, he's gotten it out. I give him credit for that, but he's not all there right now. Uh, he's looking more like uh, Freddie Couples uh, in the mm. twilight of his career where, you know, Freddie could just never get comfortable on the course with his back. And, yeah. you know, Tiger said at his age, maybe he has 40 more majors, but it all comes down to how healthy will he be. And in the cooler climate of Pebble Beach, we're heading to the U.S. Open or the uh, British Open coming up at – Royal Port Rush, we're going to talk about that. But again, another place, Northern Ireland, that's not going to be warm and sunny. Um, so, you know, maybe the temperature, the climate's going to have a little bit to do with how Tiger's feeling and doing in these majors. Uh, I agree with that totally. But, uh, you know, other guys were sort of picked to maybe have a good shot to win the Open. Which ones you want to talk about now? Well, Rory McIlroy put on an absolute clinic in Canada. And, you know, again, just coming up short, in the majors, just didn't quite have it together today uh, in this final round. Rory shoots one over uh, and ends five, you know, five under T9 uh, for the U.S. Open. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, normally he's the top guy in strokes gained driving, hits a nine miles for a little guy and uh, hits the fairways a lot. And uh, this week, I think he was in the rough way too much and uh, just couldn't get it going uh, for some reason. I don't know if he had a letdown from winning the Canadian Open, but... Uh, you know, he just didn't play that great. And the putter, I think, uh, was pretty cold. So I didn't, I didn't see the coverage on how he played that much because they were focusing on the leaders. But he, I would have picked him. I thought he was the guy to beat after the Canadian Open, finishing with a 61 with a bogey on the last hole. I talked to him on Wednesday. Uh, I said, you know, your swing right now is you're right on plane. You're not dropping it to the inside on the first motion down and scooping those short irons. And he agreed with that. And I thought I thought he was uh, had his A game going. But, uh, you know, the U.S. Open and that long rough is intimidating. You get over a tee shot, you know, if you hit it out there, you're going to be fighting six, eight inches of rough. And I think um, uh, maybe he hit the driver too much. I'm not sure. I, I really... Can't say for sure because I wasn't following him, following him and the TV wasn't following him that much. Really interested to get your perspective on Ricky Fowler. Once again, round one, shoots a 66. Everybody's on the Fowler bandwagon because I think we all want this guy to win. We all want this guy to get his first major and, and get off the schneid and not be the best golfer to never win a major, but follows it up with the 77 on Friday, tournament over, Follows that with a 71 and a 72 today. And again, we're talking about can, will Ricky Fowler ever win a major? Yeah, when you go from 66 to 77 in the same weather conditions, uh, you have to sort of question uh, what was going on in his head and how much he wants a major. And, you know, I said Pebble Beach loves Californian residents. 
and he's a California boy, and after the 66, he should have been there today battling it out. You know, you you got a great start. Uh, you know the course. You know the weather patterns, the cool coolness, and it was cool every day. It wasn't uh, uh, last week I got in at, uh, uh, Thursday, and it was there Friday. It was hot and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then it turned cold, but it was really good golfing weather, I think. It was, it was in the, probably the average temperature was like 58, and uh, it was overcast, but uh, the wind never really got up. Uh, it got maybe at the most 10 miles an hour, but most of the time it was like five, six, seven, eight miles an hour. So after that 66, he should have been able to at least shoot 71 or two. So I, th I think he's just trying too hard, and people probably all want to, they're probably all saying the same thing. You got to win a major, Ricky, you got to win a major. And so he's just uh, probably expectations are as, he wants it too badly. I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he'll ever get a major, actually. I, I sure hope he does. I really like the guy. Everybody likes Ricky. And it's got to be tough because he's watching his buddies, you know, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, and, and all these guys that came around the same time he he did and he hangs out with. And they got their majors, and they're winning more majors, and he just can't get there. And at some point, it does become a thing. Whether you can admit it or not, it becomes a thing. Yeah, it can. It can work on your head. There's no doubt. He's got the game to win a major. You know, that one year he was in the top five in all four majors. Uh, so it looked like he was destined to win majors. Uh, but um, so far he's got the goose egg going. So wish him the best. But, you know, his career's going on and a lot of his prime, prime years are, are wandering by. So you gotta, you got to wonder if he's ever going to get one. Well, speaking of best years wandering by, Phil Mickelson, uh, happy birthday and happy Father's Day. Uh, turned 49 today, um, but not the Father's Day or birthday he wanted because tied for 52nd. And, you know, you said it first, and then other people started following Johnny Miller, and that's usually the case in this business as they follow Johnny Miller, uh, saying this was his, his last best chance. Is he ever going to complete the career Grand Slam now that he didn't win at Pebble Beach? Well, like you said, uh, he's won five times at Pebble Beach. He's a California kid, and uh, he's not a kid anymore, but um, he shot plus four for the championship, 288, and finished tie for 52nd. Uh, you know, it should have been a better showing, but you look at his stats this year, and he's like terrible in scrambling. It's like, what are you kidding? Phil Mickelson, terrible at scrambling this year. So he's, his putter's not that good, and his scrambling's not good. And the way he plays golf, he's got to be good at scrambling. Otherwise, he's an also-ran. And that's what happened this week. He wasn't hitting that many greens. Uh, his driver's not good. And, uh, you know, if you don't scramble, if you're Phil Mickelson, you're going you're gonna to have a tough time. A couple of things I want to hit on before we move on. So much talk, as there always is when we go to a U.S. Open, the USGA. Did they get it right, Johnny Miller? I give them an A, a solid A. I mean, it really, I'm sure they wanted to get it harder and faster and brown out the greens like they always do. I, I said on NBC it's that uh, championship patina where it turns brown. Um, but this year it was green, green, green. And, uh, and it was you know, the course is very short. I mean, the course played, you know, uh, 10 years ago, it played at 7,040 yards. This time it was about the same distance, maybe on the card it was 7,075 uh, yards, but they moved some of the tees up. And so for these guys, that's a very short golf course. So 
they just let the rough do the talking and uh, uh, but it was a total fair test you didn't even have to hit driver on the front nine you didn't have to drive it on one you could hit driver on two or three wood then you didn't need a driver on three four uh, six a lot of guys hit three wood off the t-par five and then eight is a layup nine you could hit a driver uh, but I mean the golf course you only hit a driver a few times so you should be able to hit it in the fairway but boy if you visited that rough uh, it was it, tough sledding a lot of guys <laughs> probably worn out from from uh, they got grass stains on their knuckles from being in that rough well for those that don't know and, and haven't been uh, in touch with what's going on in the west coast we have had record rain you know we've been hammered and pebble has had more rain than they ever have so there's a reason it's that green and so i want to speak as a golf fan and and shoot me down tell me what's wrong with this but there is so much talk heading into an open it dominates everything in in the broadcast and it's all about what will score be according to par is the score going to be too high what should the score be i got to be honest johnny it drives me crazy because I feel like I speak for a lot of golf fans. We don't care. We don't care if it's six under, five under, nine under. Look, we don't want Palm Springs 23 under, but as long as it's a fair test of golf and a good test, which I think Pebble Beach was, who cares? I don't care that Gary Woodland won at 13 under or 10 under. It was a great test and a great leaderboard. You know, the thing is, what the USGA, I don't think, understood completely is that if you make a course so different than all the other courses all the year, a lot of times you get a winner that you can't even believe you, you got because it's such a severe test or it's just, you know, maybe it's just it's just set up differently. And so what you really want, like Augusta does at the Masters, you look on Sunday, it usually comes down to just a bunch of great players, you know, going head to head at the end. And that's what you really want is you don't want to blow out the guys that uh, are the great players because it's so hard or unfair. Uh, and then you end up with guys that, you know, that really you don't even think deserve to win. So I think they I think they might have finally realized that, like you say, it's okay to shoot double digits all right to shoot 12 14 like the pga sometimes they shoot 18 under par so what you know like you say if as long as they got some good guys at the end and there there's good golf uh that's that's the way i think i used to think par was important at the u.s open but now i think it's better if you see great shots i i like to see a golf course have five or so really tough memorable holes that they can struggle on but the rest of the time give them a good chance to make some birdies to offset that so uh, that's uh, that's pretty much what they had this week. It had a lot, the par fives are pretty gettable because they're not too long, and uh, you had holes like eight, nine, ten, the three hardest par fours in the world in a in a row, and uh, so you had some good strong holes like number two. They're bogey holes, and uh, the rest of the time you can make some birdies. Well, as we head into the Open Championship, uh, and we'll talk at length about that coming up, but I just feel like they get it. If the weather's great over there and the wind is down, you're going to tear those courses up. And they're fine with that. But when the wind comes up and the weather, it's going to be a real tough test to break par. And I don't know why the USGA just can't wrap their arms around that. And they feel like they have to manipulate the course from day to day. And it just, I don't know, it just seems to drive me crazy as a golf fan when we have great golfers doing what they do, the cream rises to the top. That's really all I care about. 
Well, I think the USGA has learned, learned their lesson. The pros were darn near almost ready to boycott the Open. You know, they were so upset with some of the courses that the USGA had picked, uh, Chambers Bay and Aaron Hills, and then what they did to Shinnecock, uh, especially on that seventh green where the balls were rolling off the green. And I think they just said, hey, we just don't need the aggravation. Let's just set it up like we used to and keep it a little bit green and don't don't make it crazy. So, uh, you know, I just think that, uh, I think they've got it right. I think they realize that uh, this was a very important U.S. Open plan at Pebble, their 100th anniversary. Uh, I think all the players, I never heard one complaint. And so I think they're going to stick to that uh, philosophy at Wingfoot next year. Uh, and, and that'll be a great test. I think that that's fine. I think it's a perfect test that way. I agree, and I don't know if my opinion will ever matter to the USGA, but I thought it was spectacular. I thought it was a great test of golf, and I think Pebble Beach shined like she always does and like she should because it is a beautiful place. And before I put a pin in the U.S. Open and we move on, um, you, you that's your backyard. You've been there all week. You, you talked to so many players. I saw you on Golf Channel. I saw you on the broadcast. Um, just give me a little insight. Is there anything that really stood out to you or a, a nice little anecdote or story that just really encapsulated the week for, for you? Well, I think the thing that really got my attention is that Tiger was willing to talk about, he had the tape on his neck. He was willing to say that, you know, every shot hurts somewhere and that, um, you know, he just has to gut it out. He would never say that in the old days if he was hurting. The fact that he said that, uh, you know, his body is just, pick a spot it just starts hurting all the time and you know I don't think he was making excuses I think he was just telling the truth that you know he's like an old set of tires you know that's uh, been used so much the the tread is showing on the sides you know uh, and that's the way I was I I was uh, you know I had a few car wrecks and four-wheel wrecks and you know I hit so many balls I and working on my ranch I just sort of I was sort of a mess, you know, at, at 40, the same age Tiger is. And uh, hopefully Tiger does better than I did but uh, in that regard. But sometimes when you run and work out and hit so many balls and swing so fast, you know, you just sort of – the, the other thing is – the other part is that I really realized how much that Masters meant to him. And I think he's just had a – like a swan, uh, you know, just sort of like – he's still in that mood like a honeymoon that it was so great within the Masters. I don't even care now almost. You know, I got what I wanted. You know, I won the Masters. I'm so happy about that and didn't seem to worry at the PGA. Didn't hardly put any practice rounds as it turned out. Uh, Health-wise, he was hurting pretty good uh, at the PGA. And I think at the, the Masters, I mean, here at the U.S. Open, uh, he dialed back his swing. Uh, so he was swinging slower and smoother, but uh, it just... I just think that he's still sort of in that feeling that, you know, I just climbed Mount Everest and I just want to check out the view with a smile. Well, one last thing before we move on from the open that uh, as a, a journalist and former sportscaster that really hit me and, and I was watching the coverage was Fox Sports, Joe Buck, uh, one of the great voices and, and was calling the action. And he had Jim Nance from CBS Sports into his booth. And, and to have those two giants in our industry in the booth at the same time, um, first of all, absolute class move by Joe Buck for allowing Nance to come into his booth on his broadcast. And to listen to Jim Nance, who, who lives right there at Pebble, it's in his backyard, but to hear those guys talk golf together, um, just something you don't see. 
Uh, it was kind of like that Grammy moment when you see Eminem and Elton John performing. That's how I felt seeing Joe Buck and Jim Nance in the booth at the same time. Just a special moment. And I, I'm lucky enough to know both of those guys and actually text, texted Joe Buck and just said, class move. Absolutely love that. He, he, he moved up even higher on my, uh, on my, I'm on the, on the notch list there from, from putting that out there and having Nance. And I don't know if you saw that, but it was just a special moment. Yeah, it was. I, it sort of reminded me, you know, people don't know this story, but uh, uh, about several months ago, I was talking to Fox uh, after I retired. And uh, of course, it wasn't that long ago, actually. But but the bottom line is, it was just a few months ago, I was talking to Fox and and uh, I was talking to Jack Nicholas about uh, possibly Jack and I going on and doing some segments, just the two of us. So they were, uh, and they agreed and then Jack uh, sort of bowed out, and they still wanted me to do it. So you would have had Jim Nance in there for a while, and you would have had myself sitting there with Azinger and, and Joe Buck. So that would have been something. But uh, as it came down to it, I sort of bailed because I sort of missed my NBC guys. And yeah, to do it without my, you know, th- those guys, that, uh, Dan Hicks sitting next to me, and I just, I sort of, cheesed out i really did but I, they they just to say show their thinking they wanted to uh you know go out of the box so to speak with uh, myself in there and nance showing up and uh sort of unexpected pleasure maybe to the viewers so i still think maybe i should have done it but there it is that's nobody knows that story <laughs> well everybody's loss is my game now i get to sit across from johnny miller and i get to pick your brain and i get to <laughs> get the goods from you. Uh, but it was special. And I thought uh, Joe Buck and those guys did a great job and they really captured the sights and sounds and uh, a really special 119th U.S. Open. Gary Woodland, your champ. Coming up next is the Open Championship at Port Rush. Who's going to win it? Well, Johnny's going to tell us who right after this. Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller, presented by Callaway Golf, makers of the epic Flash Driver. Callaway is now on my Christmas card list because I have to thank them every year for coming up with the epic Flash. Um, For amateurs, for pros, this thing is a game changer. It truly is. Um, When you're picking up 5, 10 miles per hour difference, we're talking 10 to 15 yards. Who doesn't want 10 to 15 yards? You want to drop bombs like Phil Mickelson? Well, pick up the Epic Flash. I did. All right, well, it's only been a couple of hours since we uh, crowned Gary Woodland, the U.S. Open champ, but it's already time to start talking about the Open Championship. We head to Northern Ireland, uh, Port Rush, one of the best courses, if not the best course in the world. Uh, depends on who you talk to in the world of golf. July 18th through the 21st. Um, First of all, Port Rush, an, another very special venue. Uh, you're right. I, you know, Pebble's my favorite, but Port Rush over there, uh, of course, the courses in Scotland are wonderful, but Port Rush is just a great course in Ireland. You know, you get guys like uh, Rory McIlroy grew up there. He's going to be, you know, they sold that tournament championship out several months ago, first time in history. Uh, the Irish are cr- going crazy about having the Open there. And, of course, at Port Rush, it's going to be a terrific venue. Obviously, everybody's going to want Rory to win that one. Uh, he would be hard. to be a lot of pressure on him, but uh, he's a good pick. The one thing I did learn about golf is that, unless you're Tiger Woods in his prime, 
or you're pulling for Tiger Woods, it's pretty hard to pick a winner. But, uh, you know, you're looking at the guys uh, that are, are really playing uh, well right now. Yeah, but maybe it's time for a guy like that hasn't won a major, a John Rahm or a Matt Kuchar. But if I was going to pick somebody, uh, I'd go probably with a Dustin Johnson, Kepka. I'm not sure about Tiger. I really don't. But, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of good guys you could pick. But it's going to be a guy that probably has to handle the wind a little bit. Um, and uh, they've lengthened that course out, I've heard. So it's going to be, it's just going to be a good test. But like I said, it's really hard to pick a winner. But who knows, maybe Gary Woodland's going to do a little Kepka and go on a little run with the majors. But Kepka is probably still a guy to look at, even though I'm not sure he how well he does on uh, overseas on Lynx courses, but uh, it'll it'll be good. It's going to be a really good championship. Uh, it's be great to see a championship in Ireland, and you know, be great viewing. I'm looking forward to it. I know Graham McDowell, obviously a long shot, but he's yeah. excited to be heading home as well yeah. as uh, Rory. And you, and you know you you talk about the Euros versus the Yanks, Woods, Kepka, Woodland. Uh, the U.S. has been dominating the majors lately. Um, obviously, Port Rush heading to Lynx Golf lends itself to uh, getting uh, one of the Euros on the board this year. But so far, it has been dominated by the red, white, and blue, Johnny. Yeah, it has. Of course, Kepka's done a lot of it himself. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. But, uh, you know, a guy like uh, John Rahm and Molinari, of course, is a defending champ. Uh, I talked about Rory. Justin Rose will probably be making uh, sort of a comeback there. I'm sure this round today, and even the week, uh, he's got to question what he's doing tee to green. It, he, he held it together. I think through three rounds, he had 32 one putts. So he was number one in, in strokes gained putting, but that's not his game. So he's got to figure out what went wrong, so to speak, with the tee to green. But he'll be comfortable over there also. But I like this Tommy Fleetwood, if you want to know the truth. Uh, he's he's from over there and. Uh, uh, he's. I think he's. He could. He could win one. It wouldn't surprise me if he won the the Open Championship. Tommy obviously uh, kind of came to prominence in the Ryder Cup uh, when he was so successful and such a spark, almost like an Ian Poulter spark for the Euros in the Ryder Cup, and since then became kind of a crowd favorite. But um, a lot of people were loving him coming into these majors early in the year, and he just really hasn't been on form and has not been a factor. But is always in the conversation. Um, and it was good to see. I know he didn't play great today, um, but Justin Rose has been playing really well and, and really snuck up on Pebble Beach and, and gave it a go today, obviously fell short. Um, but, you know, when he's heading back over and, and playing uh, closer to home, maybe uh, Rosie. Yeah, it's a good pick. We talked about that. And uh, like I said, it's really hard to to pick a winner, but uh... – Maybe the U.S. is going to keep that run going on uh, in major championships. But we'll, only time will tell. But maybe Ricky's due for so, uh, the major there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. So the Open Championship coming up at Port Rush. Again, that's in July. And speaking of, Johnny, you and I will be back for the third installment of Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller right after we crown the open champ and uh, we wrap up this season of majors already but they are fired up over there they're calling it the largest sporting event to hit northern ireland as you said johnny it's sold out in minutes uh it's going to be a spectacle over there no doubt about it on a super good course one of the great courses in the world a very fair test and we should get a great champion 
Once again, an honor to sit across from the Hall of Famer, Johnny Miller. Johnny, can't wait till uh, we talk Open Champ. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining us on Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller. We'll see you next after the Open Championship. For everyone who's been a part of this one, I'm Chris Harrison. Hit him straight. Real Golf Talk with Johnny Miller is presented by Callaway Golf.